Rush horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lohr And I'm Liam O'Donnell And you are listening to episode 71 of Horror Business Horror Business And today, tonight we have a very special episode, and I am, I'm perspiring a little bit. My sweat glands oh, are. Oh yeah, I can see. Yeah, it. yeah. My my my. I'm. Uh, I got overactive sweat glands. We are joined by a very special guest, director of Liam and I's favorite movie of favorite horror movie of 2018, 2019. Gentleman Dean Capsalis. <laughs> Hello. How are you, Dean? Hello. Uh... He directed. The, I'm, he, uh, I'm great. He directed the Swerve. In case I, I that's how bad I'm fucking up. <laughs> the Swerve. You've heard us talk about it nonstop since October. <laughs> hey guys, how you doing? I'm I'm very excited to be here. And, um, yeah, very honored. I love your show. Uh, please don't be uh, don't be nervous. I'll try not to. I took a Xanax um, for coming here, so yeah, that'll. I'm that'll out. I'm like, oh, I mean, I I it's like prescription. If I don't take it, I am like a mess. So. Oh wow. I want you to know that uh, I had. Yeah, don't. I want you to know that I, I had. Love you guys. I had. Uh, I had broccoli for dinner, so that's how I decided to prepare. <laughs> so I, had, I had broccoli, and then uh, and then I just I had some water. I'm feeling good. Okay. Just broccoli. No, I had a big steak too, but oh. I just didn't want to make Justin feel uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the broccoli would make me more angry. I know you hate vegetables. I do. So what? I don't like veg. I, I mean, it's it's not as bad as it it's not as bad as it's made out to be. But I have an aversion to healthy food of all kinds. Uh, I, I have to. Okay, okay, but you're vegan, right? Yeah, I'm the worst. <laughs> so, so what 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 do you well what te- do you eat? Te- just, te- like, textured ice cream. Uh, textured s- carbohydrates. Since the first of the year, I've been on like kind of a strict diet. Um, I've I'm trying to get like get, get to the gym more often. So recently, I've been eating. Like a like a reasonable reasonable adult, but uh, there were times when it would be like, oh, it's Sunday night. I have off on Sundays and Mondays, so that's like my weekend. And I'd be like, oh, it's Sunday night. I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go get a pizza because there's a, a pizza shop that around here that mm. you know we can get like the gone cheese from. And then I'm gonna drive to Hoboken and look at the Manhattan skyline and be sad. And then on the way back, probably hit probably hit up White Castle. It's disgusting. I'm not a good person. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely been times. Wait, where what we, do you? Oh my god! There's been times we were hanging out, and, and Justin would be like, "I haven't eaten dinner yet today. Let's go to Wawa so I can get a hand pie." Yeah, and he would just eat a hand pie. <laughs> what, what? What is a hand pie? Like a, I don't even know what that is. Oh, that's right. I, that's like a ta- that's like a yeast. taste. It's a tasty cake. It's like a PA thing. They're like little pie. I'm sure you have a version of it in Brooklyn or wherever. There's it's a it's a it's like a small. It's not really even a pie. It's like a pastry. It's a pastry with goo inside and sometimes icing <laughs> on top. Unfortunately, okay, okay. Uh, unfortunately, some of them are vegan, so it's like, and they're cheap. So I was like, yeah, I didn't eat anything, and I hate myself. Time to go eat five <laughs> apple pies. <laughs> Man, this has already been oh, a super upbeat episode. But that, then again, I'm fine. That, then again, I when I think about your movie, Dean, I still feel bad. So yeah. I guess in some ways. This is like all right. Ret- this is like retribution. Yeah, that 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 always makes me feel good when somebody says that my movie made them feel bad. That's that's you know. I mean, I'm a, me up. I mean, it's 
it it was the best bad feeling I had for the entire year, probably next oh, year as well. That's awesome. It was so good. Can I, can I say? Oh my god. Can I just say? Uh, so just you know, maybe it's good for your listeners. So when when I met you, uh, you two after the party, the next time I saw you was at uh, after the screening of my movie at the at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, and um, Liam, I saw you standing outside the theater, and you just looked ashen, and I was like, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you looked, I was like, oh man, I, I was like, I don't even know. I went up to the producer, I was like, hey, that's, that's Liam. I was like, he's like, go say hi to him. I was like, well, I want to, but he just, he just looks, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to risk it. It's like, you know, he's going to say something really terrible to me. So, well, so well. I kind of circled around and made my way over to you and I was like, hello. And then, <laughs> and then it just was, you know, you, you. You know, you just kind of like laid it out, and I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, cool, I can live with that." And um, and then uh, you needed some time, I think, and I get it, I get it, I totally well, get it. Well, it's, well, uh... One of the rules we have on the show is that the films we love never love us back. So, I mean, don't wow. be, don't be wrong. That makes me sound tougher than I am. I can I love some movies that do love me back, but I actually think sometimes that I go that's like my extremes is that like sometimes I watch so many things that are harsh that then yeah. I'm like where's yeah. where's Paddington 2? I got to put Paddington 2 on and get get some marmalade in my system right now. It's, I got you, yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. it, it's rough. Uh so on this episode we're going to be talking about did you you already forgot? Uh, no, because I was looking at episode seventy and I almost said two movies about missionary killers. Nope, we're doing two yeah. Italian, yeah. Italian classics. My God, Mamma Mia! Two Italian classics. We're we're doing 1975's Profondo Rosa, aka Deep Red, and then 1987's Deliria, also known oh. as Stage Fright. Yeah, well, that's the thing with this movie, right? Is it called Deliria? Is it called Stage Fright? Is it called Aquarius? Stage Fright Aquarius? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the titles of this movie. So there these were Dean pick Dean's picks. Uh I was very as one knows, frequent listeners of the show know, I am not the biggest fan of slashers or giallos. But I was pleasantly surprised by these movies. Because they're both really good. Uh I texted Liam last night that one of these movies made me want to fucking vomit while watching it, but uh we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, wow. oh in a, in, in a good way. Wow. In a good way. In a good way. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that. Any other way? Okay. I, I know. I like that. With, with that, that is the tenor of the show. Sometimes it made me want to vomit in a really good way. <laughs> so before we go wow. any further, let's uh, yeah. let's discuss what who who was who was bringing the show to us. Well, first off, that's our Patreon. That's our Patreon subscribers. subscribers. Thank you if you subscribe to us on Patreon. We appreciate it. We don't make any money. We barely break even. But you know what? We don't do this for the money. We see more than dollar signs. Not much more, but we do see more than dollar signs. So if you subscribe to us on Patreon and you've thrown your hard-earned money at us, we appreciate it so much. And we do have content coming your way. I texted Liam about something the other night. I am going to do at least one episode on that. Yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah. Uh, so we got some content coming your way, some Patreon exclusives. I'm going to get some more just little trinkets and bling and new pins made sure just you know to to, to send to people uh so if any of that interests you you can head to our patreon page patreon.com backslash cinepunks uh because it is important to note that you will be supporting the cinepunks network as a whole Uh, not just this podcast but several other amazing podcasts 
um, I'm not going to name them because this isn't their show. This is my show, so they can <laughs> they can all go fuck themselves. We'll 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 name a few at the end, maybe. <laughs> if I don't specifically will myself to forget all the names. <laughs> uh, so if that, for whatever reason, interests you, you can go to patreon.com backslash cinepunks and hit that smash that motherfucking like button. Subscribe button. and I was going to say like button. The money will go from your checking account into our PayPal account. And then the money's ours. So thank you. That is advance. how this works. That is how it works. Our system of goods and services at work. This episode is also brought to you by the people at the premier screen printing company of the greater Lehigh Valley area. That's Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Were the, did you just put scare quotes around people? Yeah, they're barely human beings. Yeah. They're fucking troglodytes. <laughs> just Chris. They're cave people. <laughs> just Chris. Yeah. Okay. He's a fucking a river ghoul. <laughs> a, riv- a river ghoul. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, uh, if I wanted to get a t-shirt made that said... sure. Michael Bloomberg should be thrown into a pit of lampreys. I think that's a little soft, but sure, it's reasonable. Yeah. yeah, where would you, where would you suggest I go, Liam? Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Yes, they're going to give you the best deal. They're going to help you figure out what kind of shirt you want. Maybe you want a gilded. Maybe you want a next level. Maybe you want an all style. I don't know what a tall it is. T. Well, a tall t- yeah. yeah. Maybe you still think people wear tall tees. Or maybe you need a uh, baseball shirt to cover your tattoos from your parents. You do they, coward. Do they do that? Baseball shirts? They yeah. don't go all the way down. That's what I'm saying, like the three-quarter sleeve shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do three-quarter sleeve. They do hoodies. They do handkerchiefs. Interesting. So if you need any of that stuff, you can go to www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. Do not go to www.lvace.com. That is the Las Vegas. It's something involving Las Vegas. I don't care enough to remember it. And also, do not let the X's fool you because Chris Reject is not and never has been a sober human being who appreciates the straight-edge lifestyle. Chris Reject once, as a matter of fact, vomited into a girl's mouth at a party when we were younger as they were about to kiss. <laughs> like that scene that Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix is talking about in Signs, yeah. how he believes in fate. Yeah. Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, because <laughs> like that actually happened to Chris. Oh my god! And it couldn't have happened to a better person because oh he is a walking piece of shit that learned how to fucking talk and dress itself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now that we're done bashing one of my oldest and dearest friends, <laughs> now that I'm done bashing one of my oldest and dearest friends, yeah. I have to ask the burning question. I usually ask of Liam, but now I'm gonna ask of Dean because he's our our fucking guest, and we offer salt and bread. Hospitality, <laughs> goddammit. This is this is this is like the what's the what's the what's the thing? In, this is a Game of Thrones. A, a Game reference? of Thrones, yeah. Salt and no, bread. I don't I don't care yeah. about that. Dean, what have you done recently that involves horror? Uh, you, <laughs> you guys crack me up. Um, you mean like watched or read horror or sure? Any yeah, above, yeah. Horror. Any of the above. Have they committed like? Have I committed a horrific act? Like uh, that's if, if you if you uh, want to tell us about it, then yes. Yeah, I'll start talking in a in a, a voice like in Black Christmas or something. The original <laughs> Black Christmas. Um, Agnes. Uh, uh, what have I done? I've seen a lot of movies. Um, uh, I've been catching up on a lot of movies. I saw The Lodge. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so The Lodge. Uh, I saw Gretel and Hansel. Yes. What else did I catch up on? Um, those are probably the two late. I saw a movie. It's not horror related. Uh, yesterday, but it's 
Uh, but Gretel and Hansel in the Lodge. Are the, I saw Underwater. Those yes. are probably the last three. So I went out like in, in like a space of a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then just reading articles and stuff. And then Deep Red and Stage Fright, Aquarius, Deliria, whatever. Uh, so I just uh, watched those again and took some notes. You know, I, I get obsessive. So um, can you tell us about what you thought of the yeah. Lodge? Sure. I know it's of mixed opinion. I saw it on Valentine's Day, and I remember that because I was with some friends, and the theater was full of couples wearing, uh, the women were wearing, like, a lot of them were wearing red dresses, and we were like, wow, this is a really weird movie to take your date to. But, okay. Uh, I really liked it. Um, you know, I, I don't think I liked it as much as Goodnight Mommy, the director's previous film, their first film. Sure. But I dug it. I thought it was, I don't want to give anything away about it, but... Um, it's it's really stylish. Uh, it moves at a good pace. It it had some good uh, dread going on. Like it built at a nice uh, a nice speed. The acting was great. It wasn't that much of a surprise to me. But then again, you know, as a filmmaker, it's it's sometimes difficult to like you know. But I think for for most moviegoers, it, re- it really. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of shrieks going on in the theater. And uh, the scene, I not giving anything away, but. The, the scene that happens within the first few minutes of the film was a good surprise, I thought. Um, uh, yeah, I don't want to give it away. But no, yeah. I liked it, yeah. Oh, man. And then uh, Gretel and Hansel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, The Lodge. Oh, no, I mean, I just, I really want to see it. I'm actually, I know that it's gotten mixed reviews and pe- some people have really trashed it, but uh, I don't care. I still want to see it. I yeah. just, Good Night Mommy won enough uh, positive feelings from me that I'll give these folks yeah. a few passes before they'd have to like they'd have to have like three bad movies in a row before I would stop being stoked, you know. Mm, that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen it, Justin? I have not, no, but it's on it's on my list of things to do. Yeah, I I think you guys might uh might take it. It's it's it's, you know, um I I especially want to see it because there were some people that were like comparing it saying to, to, I guess, the swerve, you know, it's nothing like it at all. It, they were just like, oh, it's really bleak. And I was like, oh, thanks. Uh, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. I don't want to give it away. It's got a snowy setting. The sound design is great. Uh, actors are great. It starts with Riley Keough as uh, she's the lead. And um, Oh, wow. I didn't know uh, that. It, yeah. Yeah, so you know she's from Fury Road, which is a yeah. great movie, as you guys know. Um, yeah, I say check it out. Although it's it's definitely gotten mixed reviews. People are like on and off about it, but uh, but um, you know for uh, you know it's a Hammer production too, so it was really weird seeing their logo at the beginning. Yeah, you know, from the British studio. Yeah, I was like, wow. So it was, it was, that was kind of cool. What did you think of uh, Gretel and Hansel? It, beautiful visually visually astounding um it's got some incredible uh like just these silhouettes it looks like it's cut like some of it reminded me of like a like wood cuts oh know, yeah would, yeah like, things would be silhouetted really beautiful like a- astonishing um uh I, I liked it i liked it a lot i didn't i didn't like it as much as black coat's daughter but i really liked it there was some some really Again, beautiful things. I liked how they took the original story, like the fairy tale, but kind of subverted it and made it, uh, you know, kind of it was the same, but yet different. Contemporary in a way, even though it wasn't, you know, so they kind of updated it with this, this, you know, with uh, 
you know, they sort of, it's more, I don't know, how do I put it? Sexualized it, but yet, you know, not, it doesn't, it, I was surprised it got a wide release, let's put it that way. I thought it was more sure. like an art yeah. house film, you know, because um, I saw, I mean, there were quite a few people walking out of the theater, even though it's only like, what, barely 90 minutes. And uh, uh, I didn't understand that because I think it moves at a good clip. Um, and it's got, I think, one of this beautiful scene involving, uh, was it like a water faucet or something? It's like she comes out of the faucet, you know, kind of drips down and then I yeah. thought that was amazing. It was, uh, it was definitely a visually striking movie to me. Um, yeah. Both beautiful and horrific. Uh, yeah. I, I like the the witch at the end, like the younger version of her. Just the way mm. the way she moved was very uh, like gorgeous, but very menacing and very ominous, like a like a like a quiet nightmare almost. Like the way like yeah, absolutely. yeah. It was just I, I definitely walked out of the theater like oh, that was that was unsettling in a very good way. Mm-hmm. I could have used more of a, I think my only, my caveat about it was that the third, the third act was too fast. You know, it was like, you get to the point where you've got all the elements coming together and then it was just over. And yeah. I felt like it could, I would, I would love to have seen, you know, just more of it or, or which is a good thing, you know, um, but just a little bit more to chew on, uh, bad pun, but you know, um, yeah. LOL. Yeah. yeah, I thought I dug it. LOL. Yeah. What did, did you, have you seen it, Liam? Or I have not. I haven't gotten a chance to go. I basically have to like go on a solo mission sometime, and probably like yeah. during the day. So I have to have like a day off to go, and I haven't been able to do it. But yeah. I will. It's on my list. You know, I I, I kind of uh, not horror related, but I I really need to get to the theaters to see portrait of a lady on fire which i watched at home on my tv and it was very good on my tv but i need to watch it in a theater like i just need to so i think i need to prioritize that but right after that is gretel and hansel Hmm. i hear i hear it's great portrait of a lady on fire and i uh it's probably gonna be that i'll try to get that to be the next thing i see um yeah i I definitely want to catch that and then other horror stuff, Underwater, I saw that. And then, um, oh, I saw Wounds. I saw that streaming. What did you think Same. of that? Wounds. Um, I know you guys reviewed it, but I actually skipped over it because I didn't want to hear anything about it. So I don't know if you guys liked it or not. Uh, but go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I generally like anything Army Hammer does, aside from yeah. um, The Lone Ranger. It didn't blow me away, but I was like, "Oh, that was." I don't feel like I wasted my time watching that. You know what I mean? It was, it was a yeah. fun, a fun movie. I, 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 I thought it was incredibly gripping for the first. It's like ninety minutes, right? It was like for the first forty-five minutes, I found it unusually gripping, and I thought Army Hammer was great. Um, you know, it was like a, it was a great setup, but as it progressed, it started to lose me in the sense that. I was like, where are they? I like, I, I don't know. It started. I, I know exactly where it started to lose me, but I don't want to give it away. And um, by the end of it, I just thought it felt like, um, 
like the beginning of a miniseries, like, or the first two episodes of a show. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I thought it was really, there were so many things to recommend it, and I've been thinking about it, so that's, that's definitely a plus. So I liked it. Um, I just, uh, I felt like at the, I had more questions at the end of it than um, I thought the movie cared to resolve. And I wasn't looking for like a resolution to everything, but the way it left it was like, kind of like a, what? <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, like emotionally, it was like a, what did you just do? You know what I mean? Like what? Yeah. It's hard to talk about it without giving away the ending. I totally would give it away, but then people would probably be like, you know, pissed off or something. <laughs> so, but he's great, and the movie is such a cool setup, and it's it's very strange, and um, you know, it's a hard thing to do to get, uh, you know, the lead he gets so involved with the lead character so quickly. But I think he he pulled it off really well, and I think the sound design is great, and uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was it was pretty creepy. Man, it really it really elicits this strong effect, um, you know. And I like the the setting. It's it's uh, New Orleans, and uh, you know, it's good. Cool. Liam, what did you think? Did you see it? Of course, Liam didn't <laughs> see it. He doesn't watch horror films. Oh, I def right, right. I definitely saw it, and I you did. Okay. I didn't like it. You didn't see it. You didn't I like didn't it. See it. When we, did you see it? We talked about it on this show, You buddy. can go fuck yourself. He just referenced that it, we, he talked about it on the show, and he skipped what we talked about. And you're, I told you you're a piece of shit. that I didn't like it. I'm going I soft. I don't remember this stuff. Here's the deal. I I, <laughs> I get it. I, I totally get. I totally get. I, I do think that parts of it are very effective. I just didn't care. I wasn't invested in anything that was happening, and I was never unsettled. Right. You know, in this sort of movie... I really want to either be uh, invested in some of the characters or so unsettled by what's happening that I'm like being compelled by the creepiness of it. You know what I mean? And that just didn't really happen for me. Um, <laughs> stop, Justin. Justin is flipping me off on Instagram right now. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, who, who cares? Um, the, I, I mean... I just think I just think it was for me it was a waste of Army Hammer. I just think the movie didn't really click. Wow. I wasn't really uh I don't really like th this whole genre of like um you, you seeing something you're not supposed to see digitally and then it, your brain starts to come apart. I I don't know. It's just not it's not for me. It's not for me. It, it yeah. was fine, but I didn't I didn't really get into it. Uh, again, that that's nothing against my man Army. I love me some Army. So but yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't one of my favorites though. He he's I mean he's good right he sold it uh, yeah. for me he like really he he kind of sold it I get I totally get what you're saying and I don't want to give give a large part of that away I think viewers should go into it kind of cold but sure um, uh, there you're right you are correct and yet uh, you know there's so many movies I'll just turn off. <laughs> I'll just be like, no. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, it was like, I think he, he's a large part of it. Um, again, the sound design worked really well. Um, uh, but you're right. It's just sort of like, there's a point in the movie where it kind of like switched. And it it just, uh, I don't know if it knew where to go. You know, it's like a great idea. And I, I know that it comes from a short story. And I'm curious about the collection. Uh, uh, the collection of stories by that particular author, uh, 
but it it could have gone into a uh, into many different directions, and I thought it was like the first couple of episodes of something. You know, like I'm watching The Outsider. That's another horror. I guess. Oh, genre. oh yes. I, I'm, yeah, and I'm I'm really digging it. I, I I think it's pretty cool, and that's something that you know you, you feel like it could have been a movie, but it's better as a series. You know. I feel that way about. Uh, like watching this, watching The Outsider now, I, I think like, especially the first episode, like that first episode, how it was like sort of like a police procedural. That's how I wanted, that's what I wanted from like a cinematic adaption of it. You know, not just like, we're going to talk ah. about, we're going to talk about dead children off screen. But I, 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 I think the, the way The Outsider was could have, uh, that, that's what I want from, it basically made me realize that like all Stephen King adaptions should be miniseries and not movies. I think most. Wow. I think most. Yeah. Just especially for longer stories, it's just you end up. I I just feel like so many Stephen King adaptions end up in this space that are the films are both too short and too long at the same time. Like everything is going too yeah. fast, but then you're like, "Are we still here? Why is this movie not over yet?" <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that without without bad mouthing some of the Stephen King uh, recent Stephen King adaptations. That, uh, yeah, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I saw The Outsider and I caught up with Watchmen, which is amazing. But I don't know if you qualified as horror, but horrific things happen. So uh, yeah, so Watchmen, Watchmen, Outsider, and then a bunch of movies. Cool, cool. Yeah. How about how about you, Liam? What what have you done? So I finished a series that you already finished and talked about a little bit, and that is Lock and Key. Hell yeah. In fact I'm I'm, oh, wow. I'm I'm kind of halfway rewatching it because my wife I kinda watched it without her to see if it got too scary for her and it doesn't. Which I guess is one of the reasons that some diehard fans don't like it like people who are huge fans of the comics some yeah i'm really sad we don't see nina Locke get sexually assaulted on screen and then yeah what a bummer what a fucking shame (laughs) i mean that's the thing right is that like there's been so many people like it's just not extreme enough and i'm like i don't know it's pretty good though like i i just think that if your attraction (laughs) to the narrative is just like yeah and it's so brutal then like i don't know that's probably not a very good thing no it's that not it means you, you feel that ter- way it means you shouldn't be allowed to fucking consume art <sighs> point <laughs> point point is point is i'm kind of rewatching it because it's not that scary so i told my wife who in case people don't remember my wife has exactly zero tolerance for scariness no problem with blood or gore but being scared is not her deal uh and so it might not be an endorsement to you to know that she's very much enjoyed the show because she hasn't really been scared. There's tense moments. She's had some tense moments. Yo, that scene in the beginning when Bodhi is like talking down the well and he's like, hello. And you just hear like the voice like, hello, Bodhi, I'm your echo. Like even my father who mocks me all the time about being a scaredy cat. When I was over my parents watching that, he was just like, that was, that was pretty fucking creepy. (laughs) Well, regardless, even if it's a little creepy, she's gotten through it pretty good. Uh, but I don't say that to say, therefore, it's not scary. You shouldn't watch it. Quite the opposite. Uh, it's it's a show that doesn't have, for me, a lot of dread, a lot of fear. But it's so compelling. And so much of what's going on is horror-related or horror-adjacent that I think most horror fans that aren't in it just for the 
just for the extremity are going to like it. It's compelling. It's it's creepy. It's got a lot of, I think, interesting characters, and I think the way that it tells the story is is interesting. Um, it, it is, again, I didn't read the comic books, um, so maybe my opinion is less valuable, but uh, as someone who didn't read the comic books, if you're uh, listening and you have not you know, you didn't know if you should watch it because you haven't read the comic books. I don't think that matters. I think you should check it out. It, it was really good. And the way the season ends, it's one of those things where I'm really ready for the next, like I'm 100% primed for the next season. Like I'm like, we should just have it. Now. I wish it was just done now so I could just watch it. Um, otherwise, I, I actually revisited for something else we're going to be doing soon. I revisited The Fog. Um, one of my Ooh. famous unpopular hot takes has been that the fog is a lower tier carpenter um, whoa i know i know people hate it but basically whoa. my feeling was always that uh, so uh, uh, if you haven't seen the fog apologies but i'm gonna spoil the fog a little bit not entirely but a little bit uh, and this is how it's gonna <laughs> go look it's been long enough you're fine the the fog is about revenge <laughs> and the being seeking revenge apparently only need revenge on seven people and you find out their kill quote when they've already killed six people i'm sorry this is not a way to build tension for me i i think if if the film had when the first time i watched it had taken that out and had just been like yeah they're killing people until we like figure out some way to get them to stop killing people or even if it was like specific people, but we don't find out those specific people. Putting a number on it just felt to me like, so that all that priest has got to do is walk outside, this whole thing's over. Yo, I'd throw him out the door myself. What's going on? Just push the priest <laughs> out the door. The movie's over. We can move on with our lives. But uh, what's funny is rewatching it as an adult and going in knowing full well I don't like this part of the movie allowed me to just relax and pay attention to the rest of the movie. And, you know, I changed my mind. It's upper tier. It's actually upper tier Carpenter. I think so much about the movie works that one thing, which, by the way, still annoys me, even thinking about it right now, I'm annoyed by it. It doesn't matter. It's just this, the kill count. Just leave it out. Because the rest of the movie, the dread works. The camera work is amazing. It's a beautiful film. The soundtrack is really strong. My fa- that's my favorite Carpenter score. I think it might be his best score, yeah. like 100%. So much of it works. Yeah. But I think the first couple times I saw it, which is only the third time I've watched the movie, the first couple times I saw it, I was just kind of like, Ugh. I think it, it doesn't help that I'm, yeah. I'm not really much of like a, like a ghost story person, let alone a nautical ghost story person. That's not really my, my vibe. As soon as you see them and they kind of have a piratey vibe i'm like well that's that's not the coolest thing i've ever seen (laughs) but uh Mm -hmm. but i think if you are into that then i don't know that this wouldn't be if you for every reason you haven't seen it 100 percent up your up your alley uh plus i kind of love the whole subtext of like you know the fog is technically about a real estate dispute yeah it's a it's a it's a bunch of people who literally literally are like not in my neighborhood and knowing like when it came out and how much people were having the not in my neighborhood conversation in 1980, I'm kind of like, actually, this is one of Carpenter's more relevant stories to the world. <laughs> yeah, I got I got thrown out of the, the church where they filmed it. <laughs> I love that. Why? Uh, how? Well, I w- not thrown out. Like I wasn't like now nah, stay out. But uh, I go out to Los Angeles every <laughs> year every year for like a week or so, and 
my one friend that I, I go out there to see, uh, her and her boyfriend, they do like a zine where they, they do like uh, horror movie locations. So uh, she was like, do you want to go to you, you want to go to the town where they filmed the fall or they filmed the, the church in the fog in and um, the bar from Halloween three is also in that same town. So we went there was some tensions at the bar because some guy said something inappropriate about me, and then I may or may not have tried to go back inside and fight this guy, which is not a good thing. It's just a story for another time. So we get to the church where they film The Fog, and we're, like, walking around, and there's, like, there's like a kindergarten class going on. And as we're, like, walking around, like, oh, my God, this is where, like, uh, the thing and the, uh, that happened. This, like, nun comes up. She's like, can I help you? And we're like, oh, no, we're just big movie fans. She's like, well, you guys can't be here. And I was like, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll be quick. And she's like no, you have to leave right now. There's like a class in there. I was like, okay, well, we'll just like come back later. She's like, no, please don't. And I was like, all right. Like I've been harassed once today and I'm not gonna let some fucking nun tell me what to do. But then my friend Kelly was like, let's just get the fuck out of here before like, so. I love that you were taking your aggression from this actual <laughs> jerk at the bar. Yeah. And you're like, this nun is gonna get No, that, then later, then later I was just like, I was definitely the one being un- like this woman was doing her job and protecting children from me. You know, <laughs> you know, if you saw me fired up outside, you'd be like, "What the? F- get out! Like, dude, I don't want this guy near kids." <laughs> so, you look like a teddy bear. I uh, see. Yeah, right. but <laughs> I appreciate that. But at I the just... same time, it's like, you know, I th- I also think I was wearing like my possession shirt, so I got the fucking, you know, the woman, uh. f- you know, so I got that. There's like like a heavily tattooed weirdo. Like, what do those X's mean? Why is he Why is he so angry? Why are there tears in his eyes? Like, you never know. I'm sorry, did, I, I didn't mean. Did I emasculate you? I hope I didn't. Oh no, you can't. You, you I thought I meant it as a compliment. No, I appreciate that. Just all right, all right, cool. I don't think we're I, too... I, I was. I thought. Uh, I thought you were gonna say that you. You know, you you. Was she wearing a habit? The nun? Did you pull her habit off or something? Was, no, I she was gonna she, go somewhere like. I mean, I just assumed she was a nun. She was just like a like a school marmish teacher in a Catholic church. So I was like, it has to be a nun. <laughs> oh, a Catholic church is you know the worst. So, yeah, you know that's really. So how was it? Did you did it look? Did it remind you of the the it, same? It was fine. Of the location. It, it was. Yeah. They definitely. Uh, it wasn't like there are certain places where they film movies at where they encourage the fact that movies were filmed there, and then there are other places where yeah. they don't. And I suspect this one is probably the latter because, again, there's a school there. So they don't need, like, fucking raisin cakes like me walking around there. You know, <laughs> you know, like, they don't need that. So, uh, all that to say, Fog's pretty good. If you haven't seen The Fog, you should see The Fog. Yeah, the fog. <laughs> it's all right. How about you, Justin? Have you done anything horror-related lately? Of course I have. Uh, let me get my notebook out. So, Locking Key is great. The Outsiders is great. Uh, I watched two movies recently that uh, have given me the feels, as the kids say. Sure. Watched a little movie called Horse Girl on Netflix. I'm planning to watch it soon. It's very good. Okay. I know I made a lot of jokes about how, like, oh, look, it's me on a date, because they're like, there's this one scene where she's like, what do you feel about alien abductions? And Molly Shannon is like, I don't believe in that. I was like, oh, man, I've Wow. That's, I mean, I've never directly said that, I don't think, to a woman on a date, but, you know, it happens. <laughs> um, no, it's just, it's just a, a neat movie about, like, mental illness and uh, the phenomenon of non-human abduction, which it's not really about, but it's still, you know, it gets brought up numerous times in the movie, but 
and it's not like a particularly scary film if you can't really relate to mental illness. So I know like a lot of people would be like, yeah, but like nothing happened in the movie. It was just like this girl like just losing her shit. It was like, yeah, that's 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 a narrative. That's scary. When 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 you when you're not sure of what's happening, that's 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 fucking scary. Yeah, but like, what about the the, the, the no? There are no aliens. It's all in her head. I think. I hope. I really hope. <laughs> what's the other movie? Uh, After Midnight. I want to see it so bad. Holy God, that movie! Uh, I watched it the other night. Got done watching it around one in the morning, and I didn't go to sleep. I literally laid awake thinking about that movie and tweeting at Jeremy Gardner and Bree Grant, like, this movie wow. affected me in such... Like, it's... Uh, it's it's being marketed as, like a, like, a, like, a horror romantic comedy, and it's definitely, like... There's definitely, like, a lot of romance, and there's definitely a lot of comedy. The horror comes not so much from the monster but more from the fact that it's a movie about a 30-something-year-old guy who just can't understand why relationships go wrong and can't really communicate with this person he loves. And I'm, like, watching this, like, this is why my last girlfriend broke up with me. I'm going to smash my fucking computer and cry myself to sleep. I didn't. I didn't do any of that. I almost cried. I cried during the movie. It also has... Uh, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I am a sucker for long, uncut shots. There is a 14-minute long, uncut scene in this movie. Camera doesn't turn away. It's two characters talking for 14 minutes, and it is the breath in my lungs that gives me life. It is so... And I know it's 14 minutes because the director told me. Uh, I cannot recommend this movie enough. It's just so searing and, and so sweet, and everyone in it is just incredible. Uh, you know, there, there's, it's got something for everybody. You know, there's a lot of talk again about aliens. There's a monster. There's, you know, it's just, I can't just, I can't even form a coherent thought about this fucking movie. It's just good. I was stoked to see it. Yeah. Wow. Kept you up at night. That's cool. It did. And then I like, I mean, it was, it was, uh, was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday night when I, when I stayed up and just was like, huh, staring at the ceiling, kicked my dog out of my room. Get out of here. Like. Probably just that movie, that movie, and Fire in the Sky are the only movies that seem to keep you up. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Wow, Fire in the Sky. Yeah. Justin's very afraid of aliens. Oh yeah, no, that'll come up again when we talk about stage fright. Because I was you're th- worried it was an alien. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, not what? at all, not at all. But the owl—that's why I'm afraid of owls. Oh, because they feel alien <laughs> to you. Yeah. That's a common thing. They feel alien to you. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> all right. All right. So all right. go ahead. All right. So I guess we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about 1975's Italian masterpiece, Profondo Rosso, also known as Yes Deep Red. We'll be right back. Closer and closer. 
to the most unnatural kind of death. Beyond shock. What was that? Beyond horror into total terror. Murder runs wild. Blood runs cold. Deep red. The conjecture is that an act of bloodshed was once committed in that house. are back to talk about 1975's Profondo Rosso, or Deep Red. I'm going to stop saying the Italian title because it's offensive to Italians. And well, also, because you say it like you're <laughs> Super Mario. I do. Hey, it's a Profondo Rosso. Yeah. So, uh, written and directed by Dario Argento, it stars David Hemmings, Dario Nicolodi, Gabrielle Lavia, and you know a few other people. Uh, the plot on IMDb is a jazz pianist and a wisecracking journalist are pulled into a complex web of mystery after the former witnesses the brutal murder of a psychic. Now, before Liam and I start fucking chattering like assholes about this movie, Dean, why did you pick this movie? I didn't pick it. It was no, I, I did. It's it's uh, why it is uh, it is the masterpiece of uh, of uh, Dario Argento's filmography. Uh, it's also the greatest. Giallo, uh, period, um, and it's one of my favorite horror films, uh, period, and favorite movies. Probably also not horror movies. It's one of my favorite movies. I, I uh, every time I watch it, I see something new in it, and I think it. Yeah. it what's I could just go on about it. I mean, you know, but I'll, I'll just start off beyond that by saying what what I love so much about it is that it transcends the genre. You know, it's always proud to be a part of it, but it it totally just just goes. A, above and beyond it you know it takes everything that came before deep red you know the uh his previous giallos right bird with the, uh, bird with the crystal plumage uh cat on, cat on nine tails and four plus and gray velvet and then takes what he learned in those and then goes above it 
you know, it's just a, uh, it's just great. It's just a, just a beautiful, uh, uh, I mean, if I put it on at night, which I haven't done in a while, it still manages to, uh, to get to me. There are scenes of it that still get to me and I've seen it, you know, just countless times. Interesting. Uh, I didn't, Yeah. I, that's, I like that, that it got, it get that it gets under your skin like that. That really, that fascinates yeah. me. What, what about this movie? I, what about it is, is so, uh, is so unsettling. Uh, that's a great question. And it's, it's, you know, and it, I, I hadn't, hadn't watched it uh, in a, a few months until the other day, you know, uh, pre- uh, preparing for this. And, um, you know, the way the movie, even the way the movie begins, you know, and it starts with these sort of art deco letters on a black background and then they're interrupted yeah. and you've got, you're like, what the hell is going on here? And then you've got this, this tableau of, uh, of, uh, it looks like a, you know, it's just one kind of low angle shot that's held and this child, uh, sounds like a lullaby, uh, that supersedes the previous soundtrack, uh, you know, the music that was on before, something totally different. And then you just see a silhouette of you think it's some sort of stabbing or violent assault. And then the knife and then the, the you know, child's legs that enter the frame from the right side. And it could be a boy or a girl. And it looks like it could be from the 1940s or 1950s because of the set decoration and the child's uh, uh, costume. Um, and then the movie then fades out and that scene fades out and goes into the credits and then you're like, okay. And then you cut out of that and then you go into something totally different and you see, you know, this sort of jazz band playing and the first line of dialogue, you know, to me, movies like, you know, first lines, first shots, first scenes are really important to me as important as the last, uh, the last shots and scenes of a movie. And uh, the first thing that he says is, is uh, you know, that David Hemmings, whose character is Mark Daly, he says, you know, uh, it's, it's great, it's, it's, but it's too precise. It should be trashier. And to me, he's saying, uh, you know, this is the type of movie you're going to see because uh, David Hemmings was the star of uh, one of my favorite films just a few years before Deep Red. It's uh, called Blow Up. Right. It's an Italian film also but by a great director named uh, Michelangelo Antonioni. Basically and, uh, the, the it's anti-giallo. Very, it's the anti-giallo, yet there's a lot of similarities between the two. I mean, they're both, yep. they're, they're, uh, both about perception and, and uh, a, a murder that uh, may or may not have taken place in, in Blow Up. And, um, and Deep Red is like that. But to me, what he's saying is, hey... I can do that too, but that's too formal. We're going to have a lot of fun doing this and you're going to enjoy, enjoy this. This is like jazz, you know, and that to me is, is, you know, what I love about movies. I love movies that are very, uh, they, they've got a, a very strong formalism, but yet they're also not afraid to go off on different tangents and really, really fuck with you. Yeah. And I, I, that's a great pleasure to me. I love that comparison you're making because I, that idea of because what this film still has a lot of is technique, right? Like, and it has a lot of edifice. Like when we first see the uh, whatever psychic convention or whatever the thing is with the psychic woman, the camera yeah. sweeping through the curtains, like 
it, it just yeah. seems like that that or even what you described with the break in the uh in the titles or you know the way that we're we're in this weird combination of Rome and another city and there's no people or when you do see people right. they're like posed like mannequins like if you notice the yes. diner which by the way the diner why is this little bit of Americana squished in the middle of this piazza? It's like, let's take a setting that could not be less American, this piazza, this beautiful uh, marble, whatever. And then let's just squish this little diner that looks like it's the, the whatever that painting is, uh, the burger joint painting. Um, and the people yeah. inside aren't moving. They're not, they're not moving. Yeah. So like, I think again and again, even though there's this idea of like, oh, it's not too formal, you know, it is a very loose, sort of gushy, gooey movie. The technique is always there. He's always reminding you of like, this is a constructed reality I'm putting you through. This is something yeah, you're experiencing. Absolutely. I'm controlling your world right now. And there's right. something about that I think that does sort of play off casting the star of blow up like that's not it, i don't i i think that is an example of what someone might call meta casting i think that's a choice that sure. he made knowing Absolutely. what people would think when they saw he was in it you know what i mean you know uh yeah. weird comparison but it actually when i realized that like oh this is the guy from blow up it, it kind of this is gonna this is such a weird comparison please forgive me everyone for this comparison it made me think of punch stroke love when you cast adam sandler in your movie but you know the movie is not has no actual jokes in it. That's a decision you're making. It's meta casting. You're 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 deciding. You know, casting the guy from Blow Up in this oh. movie. You know, people. You you're doing it for. You're hitting a a note that isn't in the script, but works for your movie. You know, you didn't write it like. Sure. Also, it's the guy from Blow Up. Like that's not in the script, but you are making a decision as a director that I think enhances the film. Uh, absolutely. I, I uh, uh, completely agree. I mean, it, it's hard to see it now, you know, with the space of so many decades. But, you know, Blow Up was a really uh, revered film in its time. Yeah. And um, I think it even got, like, Antonioni a, a, a Best Director nomination or something. Yeah. But it really put, uh, you know, uh, it, it was like the, the, it was like a prime example of the, you know, like the art house hit of that period and yeah. so for deep red to do that really kind of you know it's sort of like uh, to me it kind of thumbs its nose at critics too by saying you know oh yeah you like that but i'm going to take david hemmings and put it in this movie but i'm also going to give you like you know uh gory murders and a camera that kind of goes its own way sometimes you know like you're mentioning that beautiful shot where you don't know whose perspective it is you know is it that suddenly you're leaving david hemmings and then you you go through these red curtains and then you enter this theater and you're like, oh, it's like an opera. It's like, what is this? And I remember the effect that it had on me when I when I first saw it. And A, it scared the shit out of me. And then I was but I also thought it was incredibly beautiful. Like even, you know, at the time when I was a kid and I saw it, I was like, what is this? And I've never seen anything like this before. You know, it 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 didn't feel um American. It felt like I was in some uh, some weird uh, sort of dreamscape. Yeah. That I've not. It didn't follow a narrative logic of uh, American movies that I'd been accustomed to. I mean, and so it, it it unnerved me. It still does for for those. I mean, those very reasons. I mean, we can go on and on about you know the stuff that happens later on in the movie, but like that shot that you're talking about that enters the theater. That's a shot that I emulated 
in my movie. Um, and I got it and I was like, I didn't tell the crew why I was doing it, but I made them do it over and over again until I got it right. And I was like, and it's there and it's only for me, but I did it, you know? <laughs> and it was like, in my head, that was a shot, you know, it doesn't take place in the theater, it takes place in the school in my film. Yeah. But in my head, that was an influence from, from Deep Red, you know? And um, uh, it was a similar effect that I wanted and it, and it worked. But yeah, I could, uh, it just, it's just a, uh, you know, it's it's lyrical and and uh, it, it's uh, it's got this formal rigor to it, but yet it's also uh, kind of trashy. It, it feels like what it re- when you read something, I don't know, like uh, you read a you know maybe it's not the right comparison, but like Edgar Allan Poe or or something. It's like there's this you know there's a beauty to the writing, and it suddenly takes this turn, and then you're like, whoa. <laughs> That, you know, where did that come from? You know, right. Or, or, yeah. Just shut up for a minute. No, 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 no. <laughs> that we, we, this is a guest who's actually super talkative is like the joy of our show. But I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to cut over to Justin though, because yeah. I know, Justin, you're not a huge Gialli fan. So, uh, no, you're and, not. I, and I don't even know if you had seen this movie before or not. I saw it a long, long, long time ago. Sure. Um. So and probably the shorter version, or yes, the, yeah, yeah. yes. Um. So I think Dean touched upon two key notes that I took myself. Um, that I noticed about this movie is this movie is the archetypical giallo. This movie is everything that, um, when I think of a giallo, I'm thinking of the black gloves. I'm thinking of the really stylized cinematography where the you know the 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 camera is the, like the roaming pov camera i forget who it was but they said like argento films are like really really horrible things happening really really beautifully and sure they said that about suspiria but i think that actually holds truer to this the th- uh, i guess we'll talk about the what i texted you about last night is all the kills in this movie are insanely hard to watch a lot of them are things that you could imagine, like Whoa. the woman who's both drowned and scalded. God, that was those hard are to watch. experiences that people could be like, "Oh, I kind of understand what's happening." Or even the guy who's getting his face smushed into sharp things, like uh, sharp yeah. sharp corners. Yeah. You can kind of imagine that, you know, like not a lot of people when they see someone just get stabbed in the heart could be like, "Oh, I know what that's about." Yeah. But like seeing her get her face scalded, I was like, "Oh God." Like, I have a feeling of when what that would be like. Bounce that guy's mouth, not his face, his mouth. Yeah, right, right. Off the corner of the yeah. mantle. I, uh, like, my stomach was like, yep. It's <laughs> like, yeah, we're, it, I'm empty. And is that what almost made, is that what almost, that's made what almost made me, me yeah. I, I literally, like, I, all I, right. I made this, like, like, this horribly guttural noise, like, oh, like when that happened, because I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I had to stop the movie and, like, collect myself. Text Liam and then be like, oh, okay, I'm going to um, fast forward through this because I don't want to see this guy's fucking teeth get fucked up anymore. It just, bravo, bravo. Um, another thing that about Giallo's that I really like that this movie did is that they sort of toy with the idea of the supernatural. And it's sort of like as like this like afterthought that's thrown in. And normally in a movie, I'd be like, that's just like lazy filmmaking and it's just like it's like it's a half-baked idea that's stupid but in this specific case i was like oh no it's totally fine that this psychic 
you know, could tell that this guy was in the theater. Like, that's fine. It doesn't need to be any more supernatural than that. Like, it had it had just enough of the... Lady. What's that? Lady was in the theater. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, the... I know. I'm getting there. I'm getting... That's another thing I liked about this. Uh, I like that, like, just touch of the supernatural that he's just like, yes, of course there has to be a psychic. There has to be. Why wouldn't there be? Um, and then even when I was... The way this the way this movie pushed the the plot along, I at the very end when they or not the very end, but at the end when it's like Carlo shows up and it was like they're alluding to him being the killer, I was like, Huh. Wow. Like there was no sense of like usually when there's like a red herring involved, I'm like, that guy didn't fucking kill anybody. But this time I was like, Yeah, no, I could see that. And then when then when the character has the realization that like, oh, it couldn't have been him because um he was with me when the one killer, when the one murder happened, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" I was so like engrossed in this movie, I didn't even catch that. And then there's that, wow. there's like a night that you know, and it's the twist that it's his mother, which again is normally something I'd be like, "That's stupid," but this time I was like, "Oh no, that's I'm on board with that." Like I think it was a smart choice um, to have to have all the action really revolve around the trauma that Carlo endured, um, mm-hmm. because. there's so many movies where they set this up and you're like, that's going to be the guy. That's the one who, uh, that's the one who's the killer. It's because he saw his sister get fucking, uh, pushed into a snowblower or something like that. And this one, it was like, Oh no, it's this, it's this guy who, uh, he cares deeply about and he worries about. And then when it happens, you're like, no, that's, that's the perfect, that's the perfect like surprise for who the, uh, who the killer was, you know, I guess supposed to be, but then it's, it's not, um, and then his death is another really, really gruesome, uh, you know, it goes in line with what I was saying about this, this movie having the, like, just absolutely almost unwatchable deaths. Like the scene where he gets killed yeah. is, is so fucking like him just getting dragged along and screaming is just, oh yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty, yeah. The, the red herring aspect I want to talk about a little bit because this is something we were talking about, uh. Well, it was on mic, but it wasn't when we had started the episode, but I want to bring it back up, which is, you know, before Bird with Crystal Plumage, there were films that you could call jolly, right? Yeah. But to a certain extent, after Bird with Crystal Plumage came out, let alone the next two that he made, basically everyone was trying to make their version of that movie. Like, that was a genre-defining film. And so I think it's with a certain sense of irony and... Uh, sass that he basically remakes the movie for himself in this movie and that yes. he hits all the same points, story points. He's like, you know how y'all have been ripping me off for how many years? Well, I'm going to yeah. take these story points and make a completely different movie that has the same, I yeah. mean, the, even the ending, right? Here's the killer, they die. Oh, wait, I know that's not the killer. Oh, here's the real killer. Um, I, I think there's something about that, that this movie, and what I think is thematically interesting, like you were saying, Justin, about the supernatural, that this is his transition film, right? This is him saying yes. goodbye to Giallo. And saying hello to the supernatural, you know, horror or whatever. And that this film hints at where he's going while still perfecting this thing that he helped create in a very real way. I love that. I love that idea of this is like his transition album. This is his... this is his, for uh, musical reference for me and Justin, this is his EP between 
until your heart stops and Jupiter. No, I, I reject that. I absolutely <laughs> reject that. Why? I absolutely reject that. Why? <laughs> Wait, the, the the what are you rejecting? Uh, the thing about Argento or about the EPs? It's that, I don't EPs. think that's a good comparison. Why not? This is his turning point LP between the demo and the seven inch. Okay, that's fine. And then I don't care. The you can switch to whatever split. band you want. Yeah, yeah. The point is, is that so what we were referencing, Dean? There's a band. <laughs> there's a band that went from like a heavy screamy band to a space rock band, and and everyone always talks about that. Like, well, they put out one record and it was heavy, and then they put the next record and it was space rock, and they always forget that between those two fucking records, there's an EP that's actually a mix of the two styles. It's a transition thing. I think in a way, Deep Red is that only, it for my taste, I think Deep Red is actually better than most of his other stuff that he does, even though he eventually returns to Giallo. You know what? I'll give you that. And Opera. I'll give you the Caven reference. Yeah, yeah. I think with Caven, it's a little weird because I think that EP is not as good as the record that came before it, uh, whereas I think Deep Red is better than all three of his Animal Trilogy, period. It just is. It is, for me, in every way, the perfect... Giallo, you know, and, and, and that's as someone who, you know, uh, your vice is a locked room and only I have the key is like uh, one of my favorite films. And yet the Deep Red is the best. It just is the best. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up and have you guys talk about a little bit is the way that gender functions in these movies, um, okay. specifically oh, in this yes. movie, too. Uh, you know, it feels to me like and I, maybe this isn't intent. Maybe this is intentional. Maybe it's not. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't consider myself an Argento expert, but it feels like at a time when uh, female, uh, you know, the, 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 the female empowerment is making a lot of men feel uh, unsure of who they are in the world and uh, deal with their own insecurities about what masculinity is. It's really interesting to have a film where, well, technically multiple films, but let's focus just on this one, where our main character has a female sidekick, basically, who continually is making him feel stupid and having to save him. Especially in a genre where the story is usually woman is in trouble, man comes to save her. That's like what is a giallo. And yet in this film, he has to call her for help in one scene, and then she rescues him from another burning building in another scene. And she's continually making him look stupid. Like You could argue that all the character development is in their conversations with each other. Like yeah. they that there's more yeah. meat there and that the murder parts function more like a like a musical scene in a musical. There's emotional content yes. there, but it's really just a staged thing. You're you need we're here for the murder. So yes, all this character development is good. But let's get to the murder part so I can judge the choreography. You know, like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. sort of like in a way how it functions. And so I, I you know, what do you guys think of that? Like the gender politics that even then the big reveal that the scary man in the trench coat is a scary woman in a trench coat. Like there, this, there's yeah. something to that sort of going on. I don't know, or at least I, I feel that way. This came out before Friday the thirteenth, right? Oh yeah. Seventy this yes. is seventy three or seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah. Seventy five. I mean, this is really like the last me? profitable Giallo, right? <laughs> the most what? I feel like this was like the last like big Giallo. Like after this, this genre is not a moneymaker anymore. No. Yeah, I, I I know a little bit about that part. Yeah, you talk about care. whatever. Yeah, uh, dude, so, get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Deep Red, uh, you know, by the time he, you know, it came time to to shoot this movie in '74, uh, there had been. I think about a hundred giallos 
released in Italy by that time because of Birds of the Crystal Plumage. And there were and Argento apparently was so like disgusted by the titles that were ripping off his own movie, calling them, you know, with sure. all these animal animals in the title, Iguana with a Tongue of Fire and, you know, Scorpion with Two Tails and Case of the, you know, whatever, Bloody Flowers, Bloody Iris, you know. But the, he was tired of it. He was like, you know what? Uh, he had done a film before Deep Red that was a historical comedy drama called uh, Cinque Giornate, five, The Five Days. But apparently that was not successful. And he went ahead... That was done in 73. He went ahead for, to do Deep Red and said, I'm going to do the, you know, the giallo that ends all giallos. And uh, and I think you're, you are correct that by that time, you know, this is at the latter end of the, the giallo period, uh, you know, that it kind of worn out its welcome. There had been so many movies and some of them really very good. But, you know, uh, he took he took this the all his ideas, you know, like like. Uh, like, uh, you know, like Edgar Allan Poe or, or, or a painter like Edward Hopper, who he references in his movies with that scene in the, in the piazza, you know, with that, that bar where the people yeah, are not moving. Yes, exactly. He, yeah. You know, he, it's called Nighthawks. It's a, he's one of my favorite painters, maybe because of this movie. And um, he, he took it and he takes it and he takes it up to several notches. And it's not a movie just about let's get to the next murder, but it's about all this stuff that's going through this fucking guy's head. And, uh, you know, and there's all this stuff about, you know, gender and, and uh, uh, just movie making. The whole thing is just such a love letter to filmmaking, too. I mean, even just, I mean, it works on a narrative level, but also, yeah. you know, uh, uh, on a whole completely different level about this guy's, love of film and and this is a movie where he fell in love with the leading lady you know daria nicolodi yeah. who plays uh G gianna and and it was uh i don't know like when i watch it even if i don't know any of this stuff i can feel it from watching this movie besides it scaring the hell out of me i can also feel it and it's like going from the beginning of it like in terms of gender politics which i think is you know before i get waxed too poetic about it like in the beginning when we see that 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 scene that breaks the titles in the opening, you see that the legs of that child, you don't know if the kid is male or female. And that's the first thing that you're thrown off by. When I first saw it, I thought it was a girl, a little girl, you know, it's got wearing patent leather shoes, you know, and I was like, what, what is going on here? And then when we were introduced to Marco, uh, I mean, to Mark, uh, David Hemmings and to Carlo, you know, I, 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 even right there, I mixed up their names because I think it's intentional. I think you you yeah. see they're 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 doubles of each other. Uh, Mark could easily be Carlo and vice versa if the circumstances had been changed. If Mark had experienced the trauma of of what he'd seen when he was a child, Mark would be Carlo and Carlo would be Mark because remember the proletariat and the bourgeois. That's that's a line of dialogue they had yeah. in that long sequence in the piazza. So I think Argento is making a very clear distinction right there between these two characters. And then when you meet uh, uh, Daria Nicolodi, who plays the journalist Gianna Brezzi, you know, and she is always emasculating him, right? And then when you meet Carlo, and you meet Carlo's lover, who presumably is a man, and it's but treated with very respectfully, especially in that time period of 1975, you know, Argento treats it like 
much more normal than he does to me than he does with the heterosexual relationships because those are not treated as 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 you know very caring are they and if you really think about it except sure. later on like when 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 Daria Nicolodi is you know uh, uh, gets more involved with uh, with Mark but to, they're like children the two of them Mark and uh, Gianna they they act like kids in the movie they're always sniping at each other they're they're like uh, you know, they're like middle school kids. They're always, they don't act like adults. I think that's intentional too. You know, there's a lot of humor there, but you watch it again and you're like, they don't act like, like, you know, sort of regular functioning adults. No. They, they, they act like, uh, like kids. And um, I think the whole thing about childhood, right from the credits on to the end of the movie is very intentional. You see all those close-ups of these toys and then you see the knives you know, and uh, you see the two knives. You see a big knife and you see a little knife, you know, and it's like later on, it's like, oh, it's like mother and son. Please, there, I could go on and on. No, no, no. This. There's a lot of there's a lot of like family trauma themes going through his yeah. stuff. But again, never in a preachy way. Like you could highlight all of these more serious ideas going through the movie. And yet the movie's still like, and here's a beheading. You know, like it's yes. is what it is being entertaining being gritty, being crazy. Uh, Justin, what else did you want to talk about uh, in the sense of like, uh, this is the best version of a thing that you're not always sure that you like, and it seems like you like this a lot. So Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't, it kept my attention in a way that a lot of these, uh, a lot of slashers don't really, and I think just because of how, I am a sucker for cinematography. Sure. This movie had a lot of that, and I know I keep going back to the way that the camera made me feel like more immersed in the movie. Like I like sure. I like when a film makes me feel like I'm being voyeuristic and I'm seeing something sometimes something I shouldn't be seeing, but I I like feeling like I'm being inserted into the film. And I do think this is Argento at his best. I like Suspiria. I knew we were going to get to this. No, no, no. I like Suspiria, but Suspiria doesn't feel... Uh-oh. How do I put this? For lack of a better term, uh, natural for him. I mean, I don't agree, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, this feels like... There's just... I, I, I don't know. Just something about this movie feels like this is the kind of movie that he is supposed to make. I, I will say, mm. I think there are hints of Suspiria, though... Or where he's going with a movie like Suspiria, in that um, he seems not entirely interested in narrative coherence. Uh, I think a good example of that is the awesome scene just before the part that made you sick with the doll. With the doll comes in, <laughs> there is no reason on a purely right. narrative level for that doll scene to happen. Scared the shit out of me. That's the point. I I think the idea that well anything you would show that doesn't directly support the narrative or have narrative coherence isn't worth showing Argento's like no that doesn't make you know like I'm, I'm creating something here there's a couple of camera shots like that where when he's in the spooky house and the camera it follows him then it backs up it shows you the hallway and you're like there's gonna be a spooky thing in the hallway yeah 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 no, there's no spooky thing. It's just the camera's doing what it does. It Sometimes it follows him. Sometimes it shows you the rest of the house. You just go along with it. Like I think the idea that we have, in certain kinds of filmmaking, 
and it works for that kind. I'm not saying this this should be thrown out or something, but the idea that like, well, every shot has to make sense, every shot has to move the story forward, every every single you know piece frame, every frame has to be part of a narrative momentum. It's just not who Argento is, and I think Suspiria is for me the best expression of that where he's like yeah look at the uh look at the molding on this door it's freaky right let's look over here here's uh here's Those some fucking paintings yeah oh it's so upsetting i Wh- see i think suspiria is magic wait what what paintings uh what the paintings the, the paintings the, in deep red yeah 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 upsetting uh, the, the the upsetting yeah very upsetting i mean i get that she's a psychic mean- but why would she want those paintings in her apartment you know, I wonder that, and here's here. This is a really interesting topic. I wrote this down, and it was like something that took me a long time to kind of like figure out. And then I started like looking at different articles, and you know, and what sent me off on it was if in in uh, in Helga, that's a psychic, her apartment, right? Before she's killed, you know, after the the theater, you, she's got these papers. She's writing everything down. Presumably, I'm going to write down the name of. Uh, you know, she's writing down everything that she's she she psychically right. saw. Right. Right. And on the chair, on the table, it's a, a star of David. And on the chair is a star of David. And on her, on one of the walls is this big. Uh, it's like a. Uh, it's it's lit. So it's like a piece of art. It's a menorah. And I'm like, what the hell is this stuff doing in this film? It's not, it's like, oh, Jenjo's deliberately putting this stuff there as part of this character. And then when, at her funeral, it's a Jewish funeral. Right, and, right. Uh, it's and like, okay, so what is he? At this time. Yeah, and it's like, this This is a pretty long sequence, and they're all, he's making uh, a statement about it. And what is this doing in a giallo of all things? What is he, I, and I couldn't freaking figure it out. But I, and then noticing what you just brought up about the, paintings that was another part of it. it was like what is this doing here and then it started to kind of dawn on me like this is uh and he, I, I think a statement about italian about nationalism and about the fascism of italy and its past because of that sequence that he puts in the titles right that's about the past and i think he's referencing this character Helga Ullman, who's speaking in German when she's talking to her right. to her friend on the phone, who I think is the guy who gets his you know teeth bashed in later. I think he's making a statement about Italy's past, and part of that is also there's a very quick shot uh, of this guy riding a bicycle. You know, he's kind of goofy and he's got a big yeah. Italian flag and he's riding it down the street. And I think he's making a statement about Italy's past and its its connection to um, the uh, sort of like the lingering effects of its past will always haunt that country. That's, you know, something in the subtext. I think you can just feel it in the film, even though it's never explained. I think it haunts the entire movie. I think it's part of that supernaturalism that you, you, that, that is lingering around the surface, kind of like those memories and the thoughts that the psychic brings up at the beginning of the film. I think well, it's intentional. Well, I think the idea that that is always present, right? In the sense, part of the ways you see that, I think, is with the police officers. Like, the the yeah. our main guy is a rich, semi, you know, not famous, but, you know, somewhat known musician from England. Right. And they treat him 
like the most untrustworthy traveling. Right. He might as well be <laughs> Roma, the way that they look at him. Like, so you're from <laughs> England, you say? Well, that's where murderers come from, as far as I know. Like their their whole <laughs> attitude. Those the I I mean one of the things I love about this movie is not just uh, our you know our main dude Mark his his complete uh, inefficiency as an investigator, but how the police. They don't matter, you know. The the one thing they get to yeah. do is uh come through a window and and threat and not manage to shoot the wrong guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. they manage to save his life long enough to get the the guy who isn't actually the killer run over by a truck. That's what they bring to the table right. the whole movie, right. and and they make put Mark on the timeline <laughs> because he's the whole movie worried they're going to accuse him of all the shit anyway. Yeah. So mm-hmm. does. Yep. Now, does, does, this is, might come off as a, as a silly question, but does Italy have the struggle, so to speak, with its past, uh, you know, as the fucking country that created fascism? Uh, is, there, is, is there like a problem with that historically and culturally the same way that there is in, you know, I don't know, uh, Germany? Just off the top of my head. I think there's there's certainly conversation about it. I'd say the big difference, uh, it specifically in comparison with Germany, is that um, since uh, since World War II, Italy has had a couple governments come through that were, you know, not so sure that fascism was such a bad idea. Uh, it, it's the you know, the, they've had their own share of like the kind of right wing extremism that Germany is a little more sensitive about. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Uh, oh yeah. Even but, even now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of uh, conflict still among Italian historians of World War II as to so there's some feeling that Mussolini intentionally so so Italy never had the same sort of mass evacuations that other uh, Axis allied countries did. And some of that is people are like, well, Mussolini didn't really like, didn't really want to do it. And some of that is like, no, they just were too busy not winning a war to send all their Jewish folks. You yeah, know? yeah. They sent some, they did some of it, but they didn't have quite the same mass exodus. And I think it's telling about the country's attitude towards that, that there isn't one narrative about why that is. Gotcha. Some people actually use it as a way. I think upsettingly to defend Mussolini, like, oh, he never put them all on a train and sent them away. I'm like, if that's the best thing you could say about the guy, that's not exactly a huge endorsement. Yeah, like, oh, he never finished yeah. sending all the Jewish people to camps. That's not exactly like, okay, well, good for him, what a hero. <laughs> hero. But there is a feeling of like, you know, that that their they that uh, their relationship to, and especially because of the way that the Catholic Church ended up basically putting up with fascism and 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 baptizing mm-hmm. it that that it's still problematic for them in a way that it isn't quite as sharp in other countries where Catholicism is not as ingrained into the national psyche. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even to this day, I mean it's such a it's such a uh, a a big I mean uh, I'm talking about Catholicism it's such a big it's so important. Uh but yet that aspect of like right wing Fascism, it, it 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 is still present. There there is still absolutely, uh, you know, it it it's there front and center. You know, always trying to take hold. So I think you know what comes around goes around. 
And I think this is a, an aspect of the movie that, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, and that's why I thought it was important to watch the full, like, uh, you know, director's cut, is that it, it, it I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's better than, than the other Giallos, is that it doesn't, like, this aspect that we're talking about, about uh, uh, the fascism that's underneath, it doesn't affect the narrative uh, it doesn't really distract, but yet it's there, and and you can feel it in one way or another, you know. Um, just even the way that Helga is killed, and you know, um, uh, yeah, I, I could just go on about it. But um, well, I want to make sure we have enough time for yeah, sure, a good discussion of stage fright. But I, you know, of course, is there is there anything else we want to say? I mean, I I do again, I I will. Uh, still hold up Suspiria as like the magic trick that it is. Like to me, it's like you know, if alchemy is uh, in some sense using known elements to create something new and and unexpected, you know, like alchemy was like this weird mix- mixture of science and magic. That's how I. That's what I think Suspiria is. It's okay. S- oh my god, I'll murder you. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I I, lo- I love I love Justin's just you know. You just completely knock Liam right off his pedestal right there. It's fine. Yeah, it's... You know? Uh-huh. Look, it's fine. No, but it's okay. The there are things we could be discussing that Justin loves that I could be just as dismissing, but I would never do that because I actually That's not at him. all true. You do it all the time. I love him. You do it, I love you too. You do it all the time, though. Just for Fire of the Sky. That movie sucks. <laughs> Sorry, let's not get let's get not get totally derailed here. As much as I still love Suspiria for what it is, I do think this is for for me. Darge, uh, Argento's. I was about to say Dargento. 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 That's my special name for him. Is Dar- yeah. Dargento. This is uh, Dar Argento's. I, like I think like ultimate movie. I just think it is like yeah. the 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 height and that. As much as I love things that came later, um, they all have something else going on that is just not quite the 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 combination of of skill and weirdness that this movie is. Um, I think there's a lot to think about with what he's doing with gender and sexuality in the movie. I think there's a lot about uh, sort of the Italian culture. And I think there's a lot of him commenting on this whole genre that he helped create and and honestly put it to bed. Like, this is it. Like, he's like, all right, well, that's it for Giallo. See you guys later. We're, we're done here. Right. E- even though he made two more later on, those seem like a totally different kind of movie as much as they are in their own way Giallos. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about it uh, to wrap us up? Um. I mean, I, I, I could go on and on about it and bore your audience totally to tears. Uh, there, you, and you can, you can edit this out, but there's, like, uh, there's, there's two things that I, I think is kind of cool that I, we didn't touch upon. Was that you can see the killer's face, you know, yes. in, in the beginning of the movie. You can see the killer's face in the mirror. Yes, which yes. Is, which is really cool. You know, it's, it's one of those creepy, it's part of that creepy tableau of paintings right it's in one of the paintings reflected in a mirror which is very important right and then uh the other thing was that carlo's lover uh you know is portrayed as a man but was actually played by uh uh, by a woman 
And right. I think again, it's a play. It's a it's a, a way that Argento is always messing with the audience and saying, you know, you you think you know what you're watching. You think you know what you're seeing, and it doesn't matter that you know, you know, like. I, it makes you wonder, like, is that a man or a woman? You see, he's got like a little mustache. It doesn't matter. He's kind of like messing with you and saying, you know, you think you understand everything, but you don't. And I love that about this movie, you know, and it's something that I don't think comes along too often in in films. Um, and I, uh, I just, uh, I just really appreciate it. I, I think and I love Suspiria too. I think it's just part of so, the theme of, of the movie, right? That's continually unsettling your expectations. Everything yeah. everything in the film steers you away, other than seeing her face earlier on, everything steers you away from the idea of who the killer is. And then when it's revealed, it's like, oh, okay, all right. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But And even like his big thing, like he figures it out for what? To what end? She still almost kills him. Exactly. And if it wasn't for her necklace, exactly. he would be dead. He would just get a cleaver to the face yeah. and that would be it. Like it it's yeah. th- there's this this constant just turnover of everything that you expect. Um and 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 uh upsetting, you know, even the big reveal at the house that 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 he just gets knocked out and the house gets set on fire. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. It's like, oh, but the room and the body and the yeah, it doesn't matter, man. Like you haven't figured it out yet. You have no power in this situation. It's all been taken away from you. Um, all right. <laughs> so yeah, th- th- you know, no huge insight here other than uh, hey, Deep Red is a pretty amazing movie, and you should probably watch it. Did you did you get the ending when he's looking deeply into the 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 puddle of blood? Yeah, yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, he's he's it's he's looking deeply into the red pool of blood. Stop. Yeah. He's deep red. And it, he will never be the same. Yeah, it's deep red. All right, Justin, you what, were, what, you know, you put what, up with this. One could I, say I, one could say it's profoundly red. <laughs> I would say that. All right, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about 1987's Stage Fright, aka Deliria, aka Aquarius. We'll be right back.
What are we going to do now? We've got to find the key. And we are back to talk about 1987's Stage Fright. A group of stage actors lock themselves in the theater for a rehearsal of their upcoming musical production, unaware that an escaped psychopath has sneaked into sneaked sneaked into the theater. It's snuck. Snuck is the correct. Uh, are are the, you is, asking? I don't. Um, <laughs> that, that 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 jangles on my grammatical. Has snuck into the theater with them. It should be snuck. I just I have I'm no, having a Larry David. I, moment. I have no horse in this race. I, I mean, I'm not correcting you. You just yeah. go with it. Man. I'm just so. Uh, while looking at IMDb, I want to. If we're gonna, we we here at Horror Business are are big fans of Italian horror. Liam hates the Italian people in principle, but I celebrate all things Italian. <laughs> it's not true. This movie was directed by Michael Suave. Michele Suave. Yeah, that's right. Suave. Who was the uh, weirdo guy in the beginning of Demons with the mask. It's true. Yes. yes. Yeah. Written by George Eastman, who was also in a little movie called Anthropophagus as the weird killer, the Joe D'Amato film. Oh, sure. Yeah, that yeah, guy yeah. fucking wrote this movie. That's so cool. Yeah. And then there's, yes. a, there's a bunch of other shit. This guy also directed Cemetery Man, so that's... Yes. Or uh, De La Morte, De La More. Yeah. Who's in that? What's in it? Was it Delamore? Delamore? I always get it confused. Was it like it's Rupert? A film. What's what's who, who who's the star of that movie? Rupert. Yeah, Everett. Rupert Everett. Yeah, Rupert Everett. He's so yeah. good. It's, it's he, that movie. Oh my god, we're gonna have to do an episode on that. I thought we did. Did we do yeah. it? I think we did. Oh shit. Okay. That's fine. Sorry guys. So, uh, <laughs> Dean, tell us about this movie. Tell yeah. us tell us tell us why you like this movie, and then I'll rant about what <clears throat> scares the fucking pants off me about this movie <laughs> wow wow that's so cool to hear um stage fright aquarius deliria i mean i always i've noticed stage fright aquarius i don't know why it's called that um i mean i've looked it up and um why do i like this movie uh well because of the connections probably to uh, argento uh uh, uh michele suave was uh Argento's assistant on a, a few of his films, like uh, uh, Tenebre and um, Phenomena. Opera. He's actually and Phenomena. He's actually in Opera. He's the uh, uh, briefly he before Dario Nicolotti gets her eyes shot out. He is the uh, police inspector who is dead on the floor. Right. Um, who? Yeah. So that's Michele Suave. And then he went on and got a chance to. Uh, Direct his first film after working, I think, with Joe D'Amato, uh, who's also, I guess, he's credited in the movie, I think, on the credits as Aristide and Massachusetts. But um, uh, so he gave him a chance to make this movie. And uh, I think it's a really, you know, again, 1987, it's a, uh, it's a kind of a whodunit slash more slasher. It's not really a whodunit, but it acts like it because you've got all these people in a the theater. So I like the connection between Deep Red and that you can clearly see that uh, that Suave learned learned a lot, if not everything, from working with Argento, and uh, uh, he seems to be having a blast doing it and, and putting everything that he can 
you know, um, that he learned to affect, you know, with camera angles and creating tension. And um, uh, I don't think, you know, I think it's got a lot of flaws to it, but it's part of what makes it really uh, sort of fun and charming. And, uh, you know, you say that about a slasher film when you think it's charming. But, um, and I think it's got some great gore in it and some good uh, scares. And uh, I love the owl mask. You know, there's just, uh, so that's why I chose it was like between that and Deep Breath, they both act, they're both theatrical. I mean, even that title Deliria is kind of like reminds me of Deep Red and that they're, they're kind of delirious in certain respects, you know? Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, your turn. So this movie, (laughs) this movie, uh, when we started watching this, that opening scene where it's the play. We're seeing we're seeing a scene from a play. Um, when yeah. the, when the owl man comes leaping out, I was like, "Oh shit!" And they start like dancing around, and I was like, "Oh oh fuck, it's a play," because there was this one just glorious moment where it felt like this movie's gonna if this movie is this is what this movie's gonna be like with the weird like when when the girls are like reaching in the alley and it's that like wide angle like almost like fisheye lens, and it's there's all this like sh- just the 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 shitty like how it was actually a play i remember yeah. thinking like if they make this look like a play this is going to be amazing and i actually did you know ended up really liking this movie but when the owl man came like running out and fucking dancing around and all this shit um <laughs> it was just i got i have goosebumps right now even thinking about <laughs> it like it's it's just, like all the scenes with the owl man just oh god this is you are. Whoa. Let's just put it out there. You are afraid of owls. I'm terrified of owls. Oh, are you really? I am. Yes. No joke. Well, barn owls Whoa. specifically. Like if I saw like a regular hoot owl, I'd be like, "Oh, there's a, there's a hoot owl. He's just hanging out. They're just hanging out." But if a fucking barn owl came in this house right now, I would never come back to this house. <laughs> Those things are not. They're not. They're not children of God's creation. <laughs> wow. Oh shit! And you're and just you know what what I've learned about you is like you really like animals. I love animals. You don't well, like owls. Uh, it's not uh, so owls. If they're okay, if if we had five animals I disliked, I wouldn't include owls on there because owls just <laughs> unsettle me. Uh, I save my hatred for like centipedes and earthworms and like creepy crawly things. Um, <laughs> but no, there's just something about the way owls look and move that just it 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 it, it, it strikes me on a very. Uh, primitive level wow it's it's so this guy th- with the owl mask he really unsettled you oh yeah all the scenes where he's creeping around uh with liam as my witness like there were a few times where i was like all right don't do that like just fucking stop peeking around the corner and doing all that <laughs> shit it's fucking weird and unnecessary he moves he moves with the mask in a way it's where fucking... you forget that there's holes for his eyes lower he looks sometimes with the mask as if he could see with the eyes like of it. the owl and it is yeah. unsettling. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that opening, like not the, op- the opening, yes, is f- freaking awesome. And that weird music that comes on, it's like that, you know, uh, uh, that they're playing, you know, the, on the, the recorded music. It's like, what, what is this? It's kind of like lyrical and uh, very eighties. Right. Oh and, yeah. Um, you know, and then if you notice, like when when that the actress, right? So she's just before she gets strangled in the play, you know, and the hands come around her neck. There's yeah. this little feather that comes down on her, 
you know, and then she watches it go down to the ground, and then that that's repeated a couple of times in the movie until mm-hmm. the end when there's feathers blowing all over the stage. And I thought that was like really cool. And it's like, where's this movie going? Like, what's happening with this? And then you get to that first. I think it's the first murder, right? No, no, the second murder. The one that happened, the second murder on the stage. That is insanity. It's great. It's so great. It's like you have, like, the director screaming, uh, you know, for he's screaming because he thinks it's Brett who's wearing the owl mask, right? And he's like, come on, come on, kill her. You know, and then he's like, what's, and he pulls out a knife and he's like, what's the knife got to do with it? Yeah, yeah. It's a great great scene. It's such a, like, um, this movie, like, it, it really does kind of. I hate, I hate the rules of horror movies, but it kind of does break the rules of slasher films because it has the cops right there. Like, help is right there, yeah. which I think is a, like kind of a, kind of a gutsy move because they're like, how are we gonna make it so like the cops can't come in and help them? And then uh, mm-hmm. I, I typically don't try and tell people in horror movies what to do. Like, I hate the whole thing of, like, you know, if there was, like, zombies and, like, uh, my son got bit by a zombie, I'd fucking kill my son. Thank you, Dad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. You know, I've never... Wait, wait, did, wait, 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 wait. Did your dad say that? He didn't say that directly. It was when, when The Walking Dead first started. There's this, I forget which character it was, but I was saying how intense the scene was. And my dad's like, I don't think it was that intense at all. I was like, what are you talking about? The, she, the character had to kill her sister. He's like... It's not a big deal. Like, if they get bit by a zombie, you kill them. I do it in a heartbeat. And I was like, you don't know what you would do. It's like, I know. I was like, fuck you. You've never been in a zombie apocalypse. You have no idea how you'd... How you'd re- That's one of my big pet peeves is when people who have never been in, like, any situation like that, they know what they would do. It's like, go get fucked. Like... When Cloverfield came out and everyone was defending what's his face, <laughs> TJ Miller, and they're like, I'd make jokes too. I would make jokes. That's what you would do. The last time a fucking monster attacked New York and you were stuck in New York, you dealt with it through 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 midnight humor. Fuck you. I I just I hate it. That being said, <laughs> in this movie, there was a lot of like really rational choices that they were making, like when the lights went out and they're like, Oh, we have candles in the back office. We're all going there. Like, no one's splitting up. We're not going to make any dumb choices like that. And that happened a lot in this movie. And I, I, I thought that was kind of like, oh, that, that makes it all the more, uh, I don't want to say believable, because I, you know, watch films to kind of not believe in them. But it, it felt like it was more, oh, no, I can relate to these people, because this is exactly what I would want to do. Yeah, like, until the end, oh. when, when they start to lose their shit, they are trying to, like, do the right thing, and often it doesn't help that they're... Well, it, it, in response to that, I say towards the end, the whole movie goes off the rails. Oh, yeah, 100%. So it's like, it, it, I don't expect the characters to act right, right. reasonable at all. Well, okay, so when I was thinking about this movie, I was thinking um, there are all these, like, uh, like I think the, the example you brought up, Dean, of the feather is a good example. There are all these sort of um, weird flourishes to the film that honestly only makes sense to me when I look at who directed it. I'm like, oh, yeah. The guy who made the Church and Cemetery Man, mm. yeah, made a slasher film. Mm. So of course he put some weird shit in there. He just made it a little strange. Um, I will say, for a first film, I was really surprised how much of this movie seems to me to be about the film industry, uh, mm-hmm. or at least entertainment in general. I mean. You have your maniacal director. You have your shitty money man who's like there basically to try to sexually assault someone. 
all of your actors, even the nice ones, are still basically willing to do anything for money. Like you really have only mm. one actor who's like, I don't know, guys, I think capitalizing on her friend's death is a bad idea. And even she's like, well, if everybody else is going to do it, I guess I'll do it too. It seems like such a cynical commentary for a first movie. For Now, of course, he had been working in film for a long time. But it is, it, to me, actually kind of a ballsy move to be like, all right, let's see. Well, I guess I'll just make all the people I've worked with all this time look really shitty. That's what <laughs> I'll do for my first film. Um, it's the sort of movie I think you make when you've been making movies for two decades, and you're like, all right, this is what directors are like, this is what yeah. producers are like, this is what actors are like, and then this random element comes in. And, uh, you know, to an extent, the whole thing, even before they try to capitalize on their friend's death, the whole thing is a... How do we make money off of a terrible thing? Which is, of course, what horror movies are. Like, you know, the horror musical is no different than any other horror movie. So the sort of, like, self-criticism of it all is, like, part of what I find so endearing about the movie. Um, combined with that this killer has no backstory, we barely know anything about him, and he spends most of his time with a creepy owl mask on. Uh, in, in a weird conductor's right. outfit, too, by the way. That, th- when That's he's- right. When he's wearing the owl mask, that's also played by George Eastman. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and that he's yeah. he he manages to be. We get that thing that a lot of slasher films want to have of a killer who seems unstoppable, but uh, but without having to. He, we're never presented with any actual bullshit. He's never like shirking off bullets or jumping 50 feet in the air. You know, he's never doing like supernatural. You know, sometimes these movies, they want the killer to be so scary that at a certain point, you're like, okay, is this guy not human? What's happening? Yeah, right yeah. Now? This dude's human. He just has people he's going after who don't have a lot of choices and who don't know what to do to get away from him. So all the times that they find themselves in a crappy situation and he's getting them, I believe it. I'm never like, no, that's stupid. You know what I mean? In a movie that is not taking itself too seriously. I wouldn't say the film is like, yeah, this is a gritty... You know, this is no Henry portrait of a serial killer. Yeah. But still, it never falls over into like, oh, that was dumb. Oh, this is silly or whatever. It's funny and it's fun, but it's still, I think does well by the killer if that makes sense or at least well by the victims as well um yeah i don't know and i love the soundtrack i just think it's such a weird (laughs) weird you know 1987 rocking synth soundtrack that i just found it compelling the whole time yeah yeah i i it's uh if if i might say uh interject it's it's kind of um yeah i find it i i there's just something endearing about the movie it's like it's it's goofy. It's silly. It's full of like uh, silly dialogue. Uh, I wrote one thing down when they're uh, they're in the mental hospital because she sprained her ankle, which I think is pretty funny. Um, and they're talking about the killer, and they say, "Oh yeah, he was an actor named Irving Wallace, and he went berserk and killed sixteen people." And then they say, "Well, the show must go on." And <laughs> it's like. <laughs> It's like, it's really silly. I think it's it's kind of always, you know, uh, uh, winking at the audience. And then it closes with that, right? I mean, the last shot of the movie is the the dead killer winking at the audience. Yeah, and right. And I, I think that that's, that's 
part of the fun of it is like, you know, don't take this too seriously, but yet it still maintains horror. It doesn't like completely, it doesn't fall apart into parody, right? It doesn't, it's not like it still comes up with shit that's, that's, you know, tense. I mean, you know, like it's it still, uh, he still manages to pull off suspense in it, which, uh, uh, you know, and freak Justin out because of owls. So I think that's, you know, uh, uh, you know, after ha not having the seen seen this movie in a while, and then watching it a few days ago, it's like, wow, it, you know, it's it, you know, like that scene with the key at the uh, she's trying to get the key that's stuck in the floorboards. I mean, it's really well done. There's feathers. Yeah. So it's it's weird, and I, I think that's what what I like about um, Italian horror films is like you know, there's just something they're not afraid to go to that that sort of dreamlike you know weird tangent they're not they're not afraid to take that and it it, it uh it, you know i i just love that some of the some of the imagery in the film really walks the line between when he's setting up all their dead bodies and then he's just sitting there petting the cat yes it's at first Great. at first for me it's really funny what he's doing is funny yeah and then he just yeah. keeps doing it. And then by the end, when he's sitting there petting the cat, it's gone yeah. from funny to menacing. And you're like, oh, yeah. now I'm upset. Now I'm upset that he's petting the cat. This is upsetting. There's dead bodies everywhere. The cat has never, Lucifer the cat has never been happier. It's <laughs> sitting in this crazy man's lap. And this is all very upsetting. And I, I just love. Yeah, no, is it, it's like, it's kind of, I mean, is it weird to say that, like, I kind of like the killer because. He had uh, he was affectionate toward the cat, and he killed off a lot of these annoying uh, <laughs> characters. And the way he set them up was with a lot of care and love, right? Because he he like wasn't happy with the way the director's decapitated head was, so he kind of turned it a little bit this way and that way until he was happy with it, you know. And then like didn't he doesn't he kick it off the stage or something? And then he's I think like, he throws it off the know, stage. He throws it off the stage. Yeah, it's like it, there's something I don't know. Like I I I didn't totally hate the guy you know i didn't hate this character even though i liked the lead character right uh alicia you know and i wanted her to get away right but yet it's just so strange and and liam you're right with that music playing on the stage there's something really funny menacing and kind of uh lyrical about it at the same time with all these feathers blowing around and this cat that's never shuts up uh named lucifer that's right so yeah there's just something really lovable about it I think the uh, the music in this movie makes it feel very that era of Italian horror. Italian, in the sense, yeah. it, it's got that like weird because a lot of those movies have that same kind of new wavy heavy metal score. And just when we were watching this, I was like, this feels like. I mean, and it makes sense because it's the same people who made like Demons and Demons Two and all that. Right. And that that was just that was just the an aspect of this movie that, that, that struck a chord with me. Like, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to really like this movie just based on that alone because I can already uh, relate it to these other films, you know, that I, that I like that are completely different, but in that, they have that same DNA flowing through them, which I, I, just, I just love the way those movies look and the way they feel. Like uh, the, now, was this the first time that you saw it? Yeah, this is, this is the first time I'd seen it, yeah. And what did you, like, were you caught up in it? Were you, were you... Uh, scared by it or, or oh yeah what, i mean like, did it, you find it? it it had um i i, I mean it 
like again, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of slashers because I I think they can only really sure. ever really go. Oh, I know. <laughs> they, they only they only ever really go like one way for me, and I'm like, eh, it's it's fine. This though, it, it was something about the. There's that aspect of 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 the director and 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 the the, the business and the, you know the. I don't even know what I'm what I'm trying to say. That it it just the the aesthetics of it and the way. There's a certain amount that's actually going on. Sometimes slashers, there's nothing there until yeah. some dude shows up and starts hacking at people. Yeah, there's it, like nothing to it. This movie has a lot of momentum before they even introduce the idea that someone's going to get. That's killed. what I'm, yeah. That's what I'm saying is it's it, it, there was there was a lot more meat to this movie than oh uh, we're just going to have this guy come in and kill people in increasingly gruesome ways. Uh, and then, like you know, the 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 end sequence with with him setting up the the bodies and all that, there was just something that was so, um, like that felt like something an actual serial killer would do, if that makes any sense. Oh, cool. You know, it didn't feel cool. like oh, this is Leatherface where he's gonna turn the people in the fucking barbecue, and this isn't so and so who's gonna do this isn't uh, Michael Myers who's gonna strategically place these people to terrify his further victims like. This looked almost like a man who was, uh, like, another thing in slashers is that the, 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 the killer always has, like, a specific connection to the people he's going after. Um, I appreciate the idea of people just being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I think that's kind of what this movie was. Um, and then that, that scene at the end where he's setting up the dead bodies as props is, is sort of just like, a, this was all just a means to an end to him. Um or for him, and just something about that spoke to me. I just, I just thought it, it added, it, it added like a very uh, realistic and unsettling aspect to a movie that, you know, very well could have gone down a mundane path and just done what every other slasher seems to do. Mm. I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm kind of like I was just teasing you about like uh, slasher movies because I, I, I'm, you know, pretty much along the same lines. I think, I'll, uh, you know, both you and Liam saying that slasher films kind of go follow, you know, uh, kind of a traditional trajectory. And uh, uh, I appreciate it when, you know, certain movies don't like this. It's like they throw all this other stuff that just makes it really kind of, you know, off kilter and special, like the feathers and the, the, you know, what's with that nurse in the mental, the mental hospital who, who, um, you know, was feeding that was it a lionfish? Yeah, the, or the, the, the li- Yeah, the yeah. It was, that's what I'm saying is there's all these little elements that it's are like, just what the hell. And and the doctor's like <laughs> copping a feel when he's like when he's like bandaging up her, her <laughs> ankle. Like, what what fucking Jacob's ladder <laughs> bullshit is this that we've wandered into? I know it's like it's it's strange. It's something that you know you could see like if it were an American film, like no 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 nobody would do that. But that's kind of like the reason why you sort of do it but kind of keep it, it, it it's both it doesn't feel normal but yet the the characters act normal enough that you know they keep you watching right you're involved in it but they do these things that kind of make you laugh or smile make you uncomfortable and i like i like that about about this movie and about a lot of italian horror films that you know that they're willing to take these chances that uh you know that nurse who's like immediately is like, you know, this is a mental hospital. You know, you know, get out of here. It's like she's not even willing to 
to to talk to them and they they blow her off until the doctor comes over and you're right he's like oh he's like looking at them you know sexually and it's like what is, where is this movie yeah, gonna go no 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 that's um, the thing it's like no nurse would be like get the fuck out of here like you know it's just like it's not like, <laughs> but it's also true like like even the idea though that this guy in a in a mental hospital is just like so uh, what's going on? Oh, you sprained your ankle? Yeah, I, I got you, dog. Yeah, I'll just take care of that. <laughs> like, what is happening right now? Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I think so, I think there's just something about the film adding in these um, not quite surreal, but like extra real elements. These things that like mm-hmm. are clearly interpretive choices that don't quite make sense, but they thematically all work. That just makes this movie feel. I don't know, like like not quite like a nightmare because parts of it are fun. I'm gonna but give like a dream, yeah. you know. I'm I'm gonna add. Um, again, we talked about Patreon stuff earlier. I'm currently working on a piece for Cinepunks on the works of Junji Ito and Bentley Little, and the thing with oh. the the thing with the nurse uh, reminded me of a common technique in Bentley Little's works that he uses to kind of throw us off kilter. Like there's a a scene in in one of the novels I just read where. His character's going to go talk to a professor, and they're standing outside his door, and they hear him inside going, and then I fucked your mother in the ass, and she liked it. And they're like, what? And they walk in, (laughs) and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were there. He's like, every week I call a white supremacist hotline and leave the most vulgar messages I could think of. And they're like, oh, okay. And you think like, okay, so he's one of the good guys, but that's still a really weird thing to do. And it still just makes it, it still makes it like, what the fuck are we dealing with? And I think like this movie had like especially that hospital scene had those moments because yes obviously the owl mask is straight up traditional nightmare fuel um and the the body's being propped up the the body of the one girl looking at her is very horrific but it's those little things where the doctor who's just like touching her just slightly inappropriately is like oh what what where are we going with this this is like uh i don't really am i awake right now i don't really like this all that much um, which again is is more than this movie had to do, and I appreciate that they 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 went and and, and did that. Yeah, and uh, you know that there's a there's an actor in the movie. Uh, he's credited as John Morgan, but I think in some other films is Giovanni Lombardo Radice, and he plays Brett, the the actor who is the dancer who's wearing yeah. the owl mask. And that guy is awesome. Killed. Yeah. And he's he's the one who gets the drill through the head in City of the Living Dead. Uh, uh, in full yes, season. I thought um, he looked familiar. He was also holy shit, yeah. the yeah. much maligned remake of The Omen. He's Fallis Paletto, who uh, yes, oh yeah, yes, sure. yeah, yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, he's in the remake of The Omen. That's right. Yeah, he's he's in a bunch of these, uh, a bunch of uh, 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 Italian horror films. Uh, I think he he's kind of famous for, and he's he's great with. Uh, the character, he's got these leg warmers on and, you know, it's like very 80s and he's like, he's so catty and bitchy and, you know, kind of endearing and, uh, uh, you know, I was sorry to see his character go. Um, you know, he makes this comment about like Stanislavski was one yes. of the actors is reading that and he's, and he's like, oh, honey. And it's like, it's like really, it's over the top and it's silly, but the, the movie is kind of like that. I think it, it plays, uh, it, it plays really well. Um, uh, I mean, it it also yeah, is, get, mm-hmm. it's also funny having him sort of as this character who uh, feels like a caricature, and then you have this like super aggro 
director who like the movie just more and more starts to reveal that the director's definitely in a relationship with his assistant like something's going on there like when because when the assistant yeah. dies yeah. he suddenly goes into right. a lover's rage and the whole time i right. was like oh wait so that guy really okay sure yeah. whatever you know but <laughs> that the movie never comes out and directly says it you're just like okay that's got to be what's going on here right like it's just the way the film is just it hints at all these little things but then it's like well yeah we don't need to get into it though we got other things going on there's a guy in an owl's mask that's all that matters i do love his line of um when Allie comes back and she's like did they call me he's like every name in the book sweetie you're like oh you fucker (laughs) you fucker you 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 took a wig on that one You really, you really, you really, you really exposed her fronts, so to speak. <laughs> well, um, I like when the when the director, um, when the owl, uh, the uh, the owl killer has the chainsaw and he's coming at them on stage, and uh, it's the director and uh, Laurel, I think is the character's name, and she's screaming, and and in front of the director, she's. She's like, help me, help me. And he pushes her in front of the killer. The director pushes her in front of her and she gets hit by the chainsaw. So she sa- he sacrifices her. And, uh, and then later we see her in the shower, uh, you know, sort of bleeding to death. And then the, the uh, lead character, Allie, is like in there too. And then I, like that, that murder actually really got to me. I always think it's like, you know, I think it's really well staged. Uh, yeah. Uh, where where you know he knifes her and then you know there's no like the only re- the only reason this killer which I love and you guys talked about it before is that he he's kind of he's there just for the art of it right he's just there to make his like tableau of bodies uh, and that's it it's like that's the only reason because all we know about this killer is that he was an actor. Right, who was driven to murder probably by the director, and then so he he shuts himself up. He escapes because of these these actors that are there. Hitches a ride over to the theater, then gets locked up in there and kills everybody there. It's kind of like I, I think you're right, Liam. I think it's like this this uh, nihilistic uh, love letter to the film industry or to uh, art in general. Maybe I don't know. Some some sort of performance, whatever, but yeah, it it works, and it's you know uh, <clears throat> these films may seem very different, but I think they both are um, really pushing what you expect from a genre. Um, just one is, I think, in a more serious sort of heavy direction while still being funny, and the other one is more fun but has some really effective serious moments where you're like, oh my gosh, that was very well done. So, um, and, and, you know, I got to say, though, there are parts of this are, you know, not super successful. A lot of this movie looks very good for the uh, what I assume is the low level budget slash production of what this film is. It manages to look beautiful. So I know that's probably all there is to say about stage fright. Anything you want to add, Justin? Owls are not our friends. I mean, you know. If there had been a scene where he turned his head 360 in that mask, I would have just been like, okay, I'm fucking done. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> I, I'm not even scared of owls like that, but just the way he moves that mask in the film, it's very unsettling. Yeah. He's very good at it. Yeah. I think it would have been maybe a, a good 
murder if somebody was wearing the mask and had their neck snapped so it goes through you know at least like yo that's just true turns their head around you know? uh bad joke um <laughs> i mean i don't sorry I, it could be fun i'm okay with that yeah <laughs> You're okay with that? Um, no, I think I, I think you guys. I think that was a, that was about it. It's just, it's a fun movie that I think people should uh, should should discover. And uh, you know, I, I was trying to think of something that would pair well with uh, with Deep Red. You know, other than another, you know, sort of Giallo, another Argento, something that would be you know, kind of that I don't hear talked about too often. And I know that Justin doesn't like slashers, so I didn't want to. You know, pick something that was that I wanted to pick something that was kind of off, kind of took those elements, but was offbeat enough that would that would you know interest you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There was an awesome list of movies that you guys sent. I was like sweating over it. Like, (laughs) wait, pick. (laughs) That was stage fright. As always, thank you for listening, Dean. Thank you so goddamn much for coming on the talk with us. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you. I, I just want to thank you guys. I, I, oh, I'm sorry, Liam. I keep cutting you off. I just, no, I was going to say, Dean, uh, uh, you have a movie, and uh, okay. I, I think it's going to be available at some point for people to watch. What, 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 yeah. what, what, what's the deal on that? Because I think people would like to watch your movie. Um, first of all, I, I have to say thank you very much, guys. I was so uh, you know taken aback when you know. Uh, First, that you liked the movie and the fact that you had it on your your list, uh, your uh, your horror movie list. I was really uh, very surprised by it. Uh, thank you again. I know it's it's a divisive film. Not it's not everybody's gonna like it. Although I really, you know, wish everybody would, of course, because I'm a sensitive artist. Uh, but it will be. Um, it's I can't. I wish I could say. I cannot say yet. Uh, uh, but it will be coming. Uh, hopefully this year, sometime in 2020. Um, but I will notify you uh, as soon as I'm allowed to. Um, would, yeah, would, should people should excited. people be following you on socials or something? Is there some place to keep an eye out? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not the biggest, uh, you know, um, social media guy. Uh, I'm kind of, I think, shy like that. But uh, I am on Twitter. And I think the movie's on Twitter at like at the Swerve movie, I think. And then at me, I'm at Dean Capsalis, at Dean hyphen or underscore Capsalis on Twitter. And then I'm on Facebook, uh, if anybody even looks at Facebook. Um, and I'm barely on Instagram, uh, unless I have to be. So, I'm, But yet I'm there. And so if you want to reach out, we will announce it. And, uh, and I think the... Uh, uh, whoever is taking on the movie will, um, you know, will make an announcement too. So, uh, yeah, very excited, really excited that people will get to see it. And I, I hope that they're, uh, as, uh, what's a good word to describe it? However, traumatized, touched, uh, <laughs> I like that touched. you were by you guys. You like touch, however touched you were by, by you guys. I, I really, I really appreciate it guys. I love your show. I think it's great. And whatever I can do, you know, to as I as I get as the maybe gets the film gets more exposure out, out there or, or as I get more exposure out there I will do what I can to to promote it I think it's a it's a fantastic show uh, you guys crack me up but you also uh, love the movies that you pick and how you talk about them and I can you know I can hear your friendship through it I think that's an important aspect and um, 
yeah, whatever I can do to help you guys, I, I, I will. It's you. We're supposed to be nice to you. You're not yeah. supposed to be nice to I, us. <laughs> you know, maybe it'll, maybe maybe it'll fucking change over the next year. I'll get so sick of everybody. But I really like talking about genre movies. I don't, you know, it's like especially with with guys that like genre movies and talk about it with right. people. I really, you know, it's like not there are not many people out there that will talk about Deep Red. You know what I mean? And and uh, or Stage Fright Aquarius. It's like uh, and to talk about it and you know for people to sort of like it's my first feature. You know, and I it's it's it took me you know like however like eight years to get it done yeah. and that's like uh, you know it's it's a lot and for people and it's i know that it's a it's a it's a a a, a traumatized a traumatizing film i know it's difficult uh it's you know it's designed to be so and it's got a lot on its mind um but uh you know it needed to get out there for whatever reason and um you know, for you guys giving me the opportunity to do so, I really appreciate it. And I love, I mean, the way that, you know, genre, you know, fans, family have so far, whom I've met over the past year, have been great. And, you know, um, and you guys are like weird in the best way possible and um, just very uh, uh, accepting. And the fact that you want to talk to me about it, you know, somebody that you, you know, you don't know. You've just seen my movie, and you've just gotten to know me. And likewise, I, I think it it forms a bond with people. Um, I think that's what's great about genre is that, you know, we we transcend things. You know, we we take elements that are really important to us. People always want to know, like, why do you guys? Why do you like scary movies? I'm sure your family has said this to you. Why do you like these monsters and this and that? And I think it goes beyond that. You know, it's a catharsis. It it, it brings you. You know, life is hard, you know, life is sad and can be really difficult. And then you watch these movies that are like, you know, essentially, you know, can be very traumatic. But yet they I think they reach something deep within us that that at least with me, you know, that and I think with you two from listening to to many of your episodes, it's like I think it touches something inside you and really normalizes you and makes you, you know, kind of grounds you right i mean oh, yeah. you know makes you ready to to take on the you know everyday life i've said countless times that horror for me is uh not an escape but it's like i enjoy horror films because you know everyday life i have to be on you know several medications to feel like a normal human being and i don't know why wow but then you watch like a horror movie, you're like, oh no, this sucks because this fucking thing came from outer space and now it's devouring a town and I have to do this. This thing sucks because some asshole stuck his face and an intergalactic egg in it impregnated him. This thing sucks because this guy and his dopey friend went on a cross-country hike in England and got attacked by a werewolf. In horror movies, you can always put your finger on what's wrong, where you can't do that in real life. So that's yeah. that's 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 what has always appealed to me about horror films. I mean, sure you can. It, at well, some level, it's always capitalism. Yeah. That's the yeah 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 yeah. Life. Probably in the horror movies Whoa. too. Actually, did you say <laughs> capitalism? Yes. <laughs> wow, that was like out of left field. I love that. That just came out like you know that was like a, that was that was like the movies we're talking about. It just came. It's just this weird dreamlike I mean, like swerve you did there. Hey, it's usually you know? how it's usually how the great. truth works. So. Yeah, no, it's um, you know, it, it's true. You, you, anyway, Justin, you're, you're normal. <laughs> you and Liam are normal. It's the rest of the world that is not, and that's what you know. Yeah. You always have to keep in mind. That's the the message yeah. behind. There's I nothing am nothing wrong with you. 
was, that that's that's the message that I got from when I when I first read I Am Legend when I was a kid, and I was like, holy fuck, it's everyone yeah. else who was wrong, not me. <laughs> All right, we should Absolutely. wrap up. All right, yeah. Dean, thank you so much. Um, this meant the world to us. Uh, I hope that our fans, people who listen to us, uh, I don't know, everyone I've talked to since October, they can finally get a chance to see the swerve. Um, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, and everyone needs to see it. Uh, thank you also to our Patreon subscribers. Um, thank you to Chris and the other mutants at LVAC. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, we're at the Harbiz six six six. I handle both those accounts, so you're probably talking to me, ladies. <laughs> uh, and then at Gmail, we're at uh, theharbiz at gmail dot com. Um, you should go to cinepunks dot com and check out some of our other great podcasts, uh, including our flagship podcast, Cinepunks. We got Fat Girl Hacks, uh, Black Sun Dispatches, Tomb of Ideas, bunch the, of other shit. The evil know. Eye, Evil Eye, bunch of other shit. Not going to mention Cinema Smorgasbord. That's fine. A bunch of other to. shit. Um, we have some stuff in the wings waiting to happen. Yeah, we got a new show. I'm starting the process of adding a new show. Hopefully cool. it will be on by the end of the month. We'll yeah. see. And then uh, we got some Patreon stuff coming up um, that me, Liam, and a certain unnamed person in our crew were doing. And then Josh Alvarez, Alvarez and I are doing some stuff. And I myself am going to do some stuff uh, where I'm going to talk <laughs> for 20 minutes about stuff I like. And um, just throw it, throw it out into the void. So uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please give us a review and uh, rate us and review us and subscribe and download, download, download. And uh, until next time, thank you, Dean. Thank you, Liam. And fuck Victor Salva forever. Always and forever. All right, Josh, we got to do this ad. We got to come up with something. What do we want people to know about Cinepunks? I don't know, man. I feel like they should know everything about Cinepunks. <sighs> All right. We're underachieving overachievers convinced that we know a thing or two about movies. Romance and adventure by the light of the silver screen. Is non judgmental movie criticism a thing? Not really, but we love you anyway. We love cinema, whether it's high art or low trash. Cinepunks, we're elitists, but only about real nerd shit. Liam and Josh, we have two microphones and the truth.